Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. My name is Jonathan Faduba, and I'm joined, as ever, by the indomitable Steve Wiss. Steve, how are you today? JF, my man. <laughs> how, are, how are you doing? I'm all right. Thank you very much, Jonathan. International break's done and dusted. And back to a really intense uh, period upcoming in f- for football. Yeah, you've gone for a bit of an American accent there, I think, to launch, to launch the podcast. So uh, I don't know if you've been on holiday or something like that in the, during the international break and picked up a, picked up a Texas accent. But uh, good, good to see you on the show as always. Uh, we've got a... We've got a big episode for you, of course. We've, we've been away for two weeks because of the international break. Um, you know, we had results in, in internationals, but we don't really cover that much. It's back to club football. That's our bread and butter. And we are going to start in Norway this week. We've got a show. We're going to look at the uh, upcoming European games. Uh, we've got some very, very tasty fixes, haven't we? Uh, Steve this week in, in Europe. And we're going to look at the latest goings on in Norway. And then we'll move on to Sweden in part two. And we'll look at what's happening in Osvensk. And you, you definitely want to listen to what's going on there, because it's, uh, it's shaping up very nicely indeed. But uh, we're going to start in Norway. And it's been an interesting week, really, hasn't it, uh, Steve, this, this week? Um, we've Just to recap, we've got, we've got eight games to go now. Uh, so this is really, we're getting to the business end of the season now. And, and you know, there's one or two teams you, you may want to focus on this week. Um, but first, we've got my itinerary here, is what's happening in, in this title race, because it really is turning into a kind of like a, traditional classic two-horse race really isn't it and uh, it's looking like it's going to go maybe potentially to the wire with Buda Glimt uh, currently top and Mulder what, what's been the latest do you know what I was thinking actually the other day it's been probably quite a long time since we've had a genuine really close title battle in in Norway um and there was um I think it was maybe three or four years ago in Branner actually in the mixer with the Rosenborg and there's four or five games to go and they had a head-to-head a match which Rosenborg won and that was that but usually titles whoever wins the league is usually quite comfortable and dominant but this could really get close now because at eight games to go and Budaglim have a three-point lead on Mulder um, they play each other in a midweek round midweek round number 24 um, and that is on the 27th of October that I mean that is effective I mean you could call it a title showdown um, I mean, who knows what the, the weekend results will go. They could go into that match level on points. The goal difference is very similar. Um, you know, I think throughout the different stages of the season, it's initially like Budiglim came out firing. They were going to retain the crown easily. Then they slipped up Mulder, then had a quite a sizable lead. It looked like they were unstoppable. Then they dropped points, Budiglim to come back. And now it looks like both teams are sort of firing again. Really, really close battle. And, um, it's gonna. I think this honestly, this one could actually go to the wire. Yeah, and just uh, you know, for those who may not have uh, seen the latest goings on, I mean, you, you've summed it up there quite well. Uh, but let's let's look at let's start by looking at the results for anyone who may have missed it as well, just to just to give a, a recap. Been a bit of a, and I've seen you on Twitter, in fact, which we'll talk about in a minute. I've seen you. I've seen you commenting on some of these games over the weekend, uh, as always. Uh, not only on at Nordic Football account, but also on your personal account me, at Meatman Soccer. Um, commenting on some of these games has been, been a sort of a turbulent week, hasn't it, really? Uh, so I'll just read out the results. On Saturday, uh, 16th, we had Lillestrom nil, Christensen nil. We had Mulder, uh, as you mentioned there, in the title to race three, Tromso nil, put fairly comfortable win there. Goals for Haugen, Bjornback, and Bernilson. Uh, 
then on the Sunday, we have Budaglimp 2, Sarpsborg 1, a hard-fought victory for uh, for Budaglimp. Solbakken and Botheim. Then we have Brand 1, Starbeck 1, Haugesen, the Haug, 7. Mjöndal oh. nil, which is um, a uh, stunning result, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, Sandefjord nil, odd nil. Strums Godsen nil, Viking 1. And then the final game, Rosenborg 2, Wallerenga 2 in the game between the two heavyweights. Uh they aren't the two teams in the title race, though, as you mentioned. Uh, so wins for both sides, Mulder and, and Trump. So which, which of the two teams uh, impressed you more this, this weekend, Steve? You know, who, who's looking good? Who's looking better of the two going into the last eight games? Mulder looked very good against Trump. So, I mean, it could have been, they should have scored five or six goals. I mean, I was on over 3.5 in this game. I don't know how I lost because Tromso that should have scored themselves. Mulder, I mean, OE missed an open goal at one point, but... This was a good matchup for them. The earlier game in the season, they did three or Mulder blew a three-one lead, but in that game they created a lot of chances. They really get the, the, the system that Tromso used three-five-two. Just Mulder's getting out wide, and they really dominate that area. And you know Tromso can defend well against certain sides, but it's a good matchup for Mulder, and they look good. I, I always had a feeling Budigan would would kind of labour past Sarpsborg, to be honest. Um, I thought it'd be easier than it was. I thought Sarsfield deserved a point, if I'm being honest. Um, they got in a late equaliser and then they stupidly conceded a penalty. Um, um, and I don't, they certainly booted Glimp. We're not going to let Patrick Berg go anywhere near the penalty this time after he missed a few in the summer and um, sold back and converted it. Hard fought win. I said it before that they've shown really good champions mentality in recent times, booted Glimp which is kind of a worrying sign. They've not been, they've kind of been winning matches without being at their best at times, which is a great sign, isn't it? So, but yeah, Mulder looked to have a little bit more momentum at the moment. They haven't got any European matches to play. I mean, we're talking about Budigland Roma soon in, in upcoming, I mean, double header against Jose Mourinho side. Um, that's got to be a factor in favour of Mulder, I think. But uh, Budigland is really tough mental team at the minute, getting the job done. Yeah, it's fascinating. And uh, we, we've got a few listener questions, which we're going to delve into as well uh, during this show. And what, one of them is a very good question about managers. Um, we'll come on to it later, but I did want to ask you, Steve, what, you know, Budigan, we talked about them so much last season. There was so, so much fanfare, you know, the way they won the league, the, 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 the points they tallied up, uh, the amount of goals they scored, everything about them. You know, there was a lot of even international coverage, wasn't there? I think even the New York Times wrote about them at one point. Um, what is been the sort of evolution of this team this season with the, the manager you know how, how good is this manager has he kept consistency have they you know I, I know you said in previous shows they've lost players and things like that but just where are this Budigan side at the moment compared to you know um, maybe last season what's been the evolution like? and, and how good is uh, their manager in your opinion Ketilkinism I rate him extremely highly and um, I, I mean, mean when you say well sorry sorry to uh, interrupt you there, but you know when you say you know, when I say how good is he you know, we're talking someone maybe even like Graham Potter could go go to the Premier League maybe eventually one day. Someone who could, you know, if you're looking at where is his sort of maybe ceiling, where's his level? And, and does he have any ambitions in that sense uh, from, your, from your point of view? His ceiling could be very high. I mean, you never know with a manager's journey, do you? I will follow it with interest. In my opinion, his next move certainly has to be out of Norway. I mean, Ronnie Dyler uh, went to Celtic that time. I mean, something sort of on a similar line. To that i think would work well I, I certainly don't think it's just a case of because uh, you know sometimes you get a, a manager at a club like buddha glimt and they end up say rosenborg or maybe like an fc copenhagen but i think he can aim higher than that I, I 
what he's done, he's basically had three or four different styles in the last four seasons, Jonathan. He got them promoted, and the first season they came up, he did really well in the job of the underdog. Then that season when they just shocked everyone and they finished second in the end, they had this great counter-attacking sort of system that worked brilliantly. Um, and then, obviously, last year, I mean, it's got over 100 goals. It developed more of a possession-based system. Whereas this year, he's been focusing on defence more. They've become this really hard-to-break-down side. And it all depends on the personnel. Compared to last season, the squad they had last season was better. The, the offensive firepower they had was unbelievable. And he used that to his strengths. They could, they could outscore anyone. This year, I think he knows. They've had a few bad injuries as well at times throughout the year in offence. You know, they don't have a Jens Petterhorger-like player anymore, um, a Zinkenegel anymore. So he, he knew they had to be a little bit more solid defensively, you know, keep a clean sheet, nick a 1-0, 2-0, And he's, a, he's clearly, he's not just been one system throughout the whole last three or four years. That's, impre- that's what's impressed me most. He's like he's uh, evolved. And that's a really good sign for me, isn't it? The manager who can, you know, it's not just him. It's obviously the great coaching staff as well behind the there at Budigan. We've heard they've got a great team up there. It's not just one man. But, um, yeah, I really think he's got great potential. And I, I think it's about time some, some decent clubs around Europe started looking at him, to be honest with you. Maybe they already are. Um, because I think he could, he could do a really good job. But anyway, as long as you backed him properly. Yeah, and you mentioned there sort of a late goal from Solbach and it was a pet penalty, 85th minute, um, and he buried it quite nicely on his left foot. You, you've mentioned the evolution of, of, of Glimp there in that, in that sense. And just just to, I suppose we may as well mention the question now because he did mention Ronnie Dyler there. Uh, the question came on our Nordic Football Podcast Twitter account, at Nordic Football. If you don't follow it, then drop us a follow. Um, the question was from Hunkerbury Finn, uh, who asked, which Scandinavian manager should take over at Aberdeen? Um, do you think that sort of moving to, to Scotland would be a good move for Knutson potentially or do you have any other, other sort of candidates in mind for in Norway that you'd want to put forward for, for Aberdeen uh, or a team in Scotland uh, Steve? Yes thank you for the question Uncle Briefin. a former guest on the podcast of course a uh, big Aberdeen fan and uh, Scottish football expert and um, I've got to be honest he, he might not like me hearing say this but um, I think Jeffrey Clinton's too good for Aberdeen. Um, I really do. I think it would be. I think it would be a down, uh, not a good move, not a good career move for him uh, at all. I think if he, he's going to go to sell, uh, sorry Scotland, he would have to be Rangers or Celtic, and even that might be a case of. Well, no. To be fair, I mean they're, they're two bloody big clubs, aren't they? I mean I, I couldn't turn that down. But um, I tell you what, Aberdeen could do worse than looking in Scandinavia for managers um, across. You know, someone mentioned Simo Valakari. He's doing a very good job in uh, in Finland again. Um, I've always rated him. You can certainly get a few gems. You know, they could look. Look, how about Christian Mikkelsen with Christiansen? I mean, why, he would be a great manager for Aberdeen. They could counterattack things like that. But you know, if they're struggling to find the sort of Scottish guy they want, then um, I mean, Stephen Glass is not even sacked or anything yet. But um, yeah, they could do worse than look to to the Scandinavian waters. My jaw is wide open at the mention of Christians and Tavernes. I can't, cannot believe you've actually brought them up uh, to, by name, Steve. Incredible scene. Um, but no, uh, thanks a lot for the question there, Hungerberry Phil. It's, it's a good answer as well, actually. It's quite quite, quite intriguing. Um, yeah, do, I do think I do agree with you as well. I think there is probably some managers you could find, and, and Knutson's done an incredible body of work. Let's move back to the title race because just looking at some of the raw numbers in terms of um, 
the two teams you mentioned there, Buda Glimt and uh, and uh, Mulder. Mulder currently expected goals is, um, is, is a lot higher, 50.8 versus 43.84. XG against is, um, well, Buda Glimt and, and, and Lillestrom are actually the best two in the, in the league uh, for that. Uh, but Buda Glimt are, are the best with 21.25 XG against uh, 20 conceded. So uh, Mulder a little bit more leaky, but obviously expected to score a little bit more as well in terms of the un- underlying numbers. Uh, the manager of Mulder, t- tell us about him and how he's uh, preparing his team for the last eight games because it, it is a battle. Like you said, they've got a bit more of a clearer schedule. Um, you know, what, how do you forecast their, their next games? Because there's a big game coming up, isn't there? Well, Erling Moo, I've always said before, is an underrated manager. He's never really done an awful lot wrong with Mulder. You know, he won the league. He got them into the, the last 16 of the Europa League. Um, I think he's underrated. I think he's got good man management skills. He's proven he can rotate his squad well before. It didn't work as well for him last season, of course, but he was against an tr- absolute monster of a train in Buda Glimt. Um, they're a more offensive-minded team. They will look to outscore sides. You know, they're happy to... I mean, they won a match 5-4 not too long ago. That's kind of Mulder will score more than you. Um, but they, at the same time, they can defend. If he, He's proven in Europe he can get them to defend well. And I, I think that match is intriguing because in the previous matchup. He went to Buda Glimt and he gave him full respect and he basically parked the bus and defended. He treated it like an away European game. And I don't know whether they'll do the same at home against Buda Glimt, but it was a strategy that worked and that Mulder counter-attacked. So Mu proved that he has some sort of tactical acumen there and uh, it'll be intriguing to see how he goes. I just It's really hard to say. At some point, I've just got to think that Buda Glimt's European adventures will catch up with them. Like, for example, just before... You know, when they, they go to Roma on the 4th of November, then they just a few days later, they'd go to somewhere like Horgesund. Uh, that just, for me, that's horrible. Um, you know, even this week, you know, they go home against Roma and then away to Godset. That could be a bit of a banana skin. You know, they're travelling to Zoriel Lohansk. That's way out there in, in Ukraine, isn't it? Um, I think somewhere out there in the, in the middle, in the eastern part of Europe. Yeah, that's before the final round of games. Um it's just going to have to catch up with them. They don't have the biggest squad, but they, they might, so far they've proved me wrong. But uh, I don't know. A lot depends on this match against. If Buda Glimt win it, they'll give him more of a cushion. If Mulder win it, then I think you've got to give Mulder the edge for the gold medal. A lot, an awful lot, will does rest on that particular match. Yeah, and it's going to be a huge game. We may even talk about. You said it's next Wednesday, isn't it? So we we may even talk about it on next week's show. Um, but the talk of the town at the moment for the uh, Elite Serie in 2020 champions is none other than the big game uh, coming up. And I'm not talking about their game against Sanderfjord. <laughs> I'm talking about the game <laughs> against uh, AS Roma. Uh, it's doing the rounds on, on the official website, you know, the ticketing information, everything like that. They're, they're saying it's going to be a packed out state. It's going to be a packed out uh, arena. I think they're at home, aren't they? Yeah, home, home yeah. first and then away yeah. in Rome on the 4th of November. Yeah, it's a double header. So, um, yeah, the, the first game at home. Uh, the advice from the official website says get there early, uh, you know, and uh, they, they've put up a lot of information. Get you, have, make sure your ticket is ready, um, security, that kind of thing. Make sure you're in the right seat. And, and uh, I'm just going to read you what they said on the website at the end of it, which I, I quite liked. They say, enjoy the moment. There's four bits of advice and then it ends with enjoy the moment and create life. Uh, we are not spoiled with big games like this in Buddha. Bring your best mood and do not be modest. Shout, scream, clap and celebrate. Do everything in your power to help the All Yellows to a great achievement in European football. 
now we talked about this uh, just before we came on air and you you know you um well i i i put the question to you and i'm going to put it to you now i mean is this the biggest game in, in buddha games history because you know that's a rousing paragraph just from their club website even and uh you know the, the Serie A giants as roma they, they've you know they're not necessarily had the best of it in in years past but they're, they're still a traditional giant aren't they really um how big is this game uh steve not just for maybe glimp as well but for scandinavian football well i guess you live for moments like this don't you if you're a, a supporter up there you win the league and you get a chance to to, to have a european adventure and I, I just think of some of the the teams that were in this europa conference league they could have drawn there weren't really that many big dogs yet Spurs would have been one. Roma would have been another, wouldn't they? So, you know, Jose Mourinho is going to Buda. I mean, it's, it could snow. It, it's going to be horrible up there. You know, I don't know what Mourinho is going to make of that. But, um, you know, this group is, you know, yeah, in, in, going back to your question, it probably is the biggest game in their history. You know, there's a lot on this. Um, and if they could spring a surprise, then it would be absolutely fantastic for them. Um, and also to con- try and continue this European adventure. They've got four points in the group. After two games, Roma have won both games so far. We've got Soria Lohanska on no points and CSK Sofia on one point. I mean, the problem now is I think they're a bit unlucky with the fixture list because, let's be real, they probably will lose both games to Roma and then Roma are pretty much qualified so they could put a second string out for the last two games where maybe that's when the other teams might get points against Roma. So I think it's going to come down to a glimpse. I think they're probably going to have to beat... CSK Sofia at home in the reverse match there, and they probably need to go to Zoria Lahansk and get themselves at least a point. But you know, in terms of the moments, the magical moments, and these are the ones, aren't they? The atmosphere will be great, and um, everyone's going to be bang up for it. Yeah, I have to say, I did catch some of the um, <clears throat> the uh, Juventus Roma game on, on Sunday, and I, I was quite impressed with Roma actually. I think they they look. I thought they were a little bit unlucky. Obviously, had the penalty situations. I, I thought they looked better than maybe teams in, in the past. It looks like Mourinho maybe is uh, gearing them up, but obviously they, they, they lost the game. I mean, just looking at Jose Mourinho's Instagram, his last post was uh, con- with him and Con- Conor McGregor, uh, the MMA fighter. I mean, his next post m- might be with Kieti uh, Knutsen or Larry uh, <laughs> Botheim. I mean, what's your <laughs> prediction for this game and how, in terms of how can how can Glim hurt uh, a team like Roma? Well, obviously, a lot depends on the Roma 11, doesn't it? I mean, I'm sure. I mean, they won both games convincingly so far 5 1 and, and 4 3 0. Um, you know, I don't know. Mourinho tends to take these competitions quite seriously at times, doesn't he, though, in terms of no matter what 11's out there, they, they really go for it. It'd be hard for Glimp to resist them. I think last year's Glimp would have given them the scare of their life. I mean, remember, Glimp went to AC Milan last year and, and nearly uh, pushed them all the way to extra time at the one off game. Um, so I think last year's team would have would have certainly scared Roma, but this year I, I expect Roma to have enough um, and probably win something like three one, maybe or something like that, two nil. But uh, you never know, do you? On, on sort of nights like this, and you know, I don't know whether um, the, the two managers will be meeting up or um, yeah, Mourinho likes a, a glass of wine, doesn't he? I don't know whether Gessel uh, Knudsen's into into that sort of beverage or not, but. Uh, and I hope everyone enjoys it. And it's a great night for Scandinavian football as well because we don't often get... I mean, Malmo against Chelsea in the this week, isn't it? We don't get enough um, matches where the, the, our teams uh, there um, have a big sort of game. So um, it, it's good to see. So you're going for... Yeah, I mean, it's going to be really... I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. I think it's a good reward for Glimpse uh, success as well. I think, as you mentioned, it was they were a bit unfortunate last season, weren't they, with the 
what happened with Europe and obviously cut the pandemic, you know, they couldn't mm. really enjoy, couldn't really enjoy it, could they? So I think this will hopefully be a, the reward they've been looking for. Uh, so you're going for three one, is it? Yeah, I'll go three one Roma, but I hope I'm wrong. Fantastic stuff. Let's move on then. Miondalen, absolutely battered. Um, but you want to start with the Rosenborg game, two two. Yeah. Rosenborg, this was an interesting match actually. There was a lot of controversy in it in terms of refereeing decisions and things like that. Rosenborg have had a bad couple of games in terms of red cards. They lost um, against Christensen 1 0. They had a man sent off after just 20 seconds, Adam Arneson. I think we talked about that before. And I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? That's a Leicesterian record uh, for red card. They've got another sending off against Roller in the first half. Marcus Henriksen with a uh, double yellow. Now, you can't be. I don't know what's going on there. I mean, it, it's you could call some of the challenges cynical. Then it's not using the head a little bit more uh, because when you go down to ten men against either of those sort of sides, you're going to restrict the chance of you winning games. But it was a good match. Um, but Rosenborg actually took the lead with ten men, and then there's an incredible goal, a great equaliser from Odin Thiago Holm, who is definitely a player that he's one to watch out for. To be honest with you, he. Um, he doesn't get enough minutes for my liking at Bollerenga. He's had injury problems as well. I think I read an article. He's a self-professed uh, Rosenborg fan. So for him, it was kind of a surreal experience to get this equaliser at uh, the Lurkendal Stadion. Um, fantastic uh, curling strike from, from distance. I think Bollerenga probably, they've not won there in the league since 2005, Jonathan. That was their best chance to get three points in, 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 in Trondheim. And they, they kind of went for it late on. They missed a couple of chances and they might, they might regret it. Uh, probably a good point, a better point for Rosenborg actually, but they, they've got to do something about the, these red cards. From your point of view, I mean, Rosenborg's still fourth away, eight games to go. Uh, do you think they'll get into Europe? And um, I mean, we talked a little bit about what on the last podcast, didn't we? Not the best of seasons for them. A bit of a victim of their own success in terms mm. of losing losing players. Um, but tell us a little bit more about home. Well, yeah, he's been more of a bench player at times. He, it's like the manager like brings him on um, and tries to make an impact. He's, I'm not really seen enough of him at times. I think he, he's a good set. He plays central. He's got good technical ability. He could be one. He could be the next one at Volarenga really kicks on. They always they always have a good conveyor belt and conveyor belt there of players of talent. And I think he's the one that um, you know ne- this time next year where he might even have left the league. Who knows? Um, but if he can stay fit, then yeah, I think he, he's the one that's going to make Volarenga. I'm, I'm fine with them this year. The seventh place, some might say, oh, it's a bad year for them, but there's been a lot of issues, like we said before. I think they can just kind of write the year off. They're going to finish mid-table, look towards next year. They, they need to find a way to keep hold of the talent. But because they lost so many this year, probably next year they can keep them a bit longer, if you know what I mean. So, and back to Rosenborg, I mean, it's close. The minute Viking looked like the side, they're, they're like a train at the minute. They could be the side that finished third. It's really, I think the, the bronze medal spot is up for grabs, uh, definitely. And um, obviously the uh, the fourth place side will not get automatically into Europe this year because it's Norwegian Cup will get that. And we don't, we're not going to know the winner until uh, April, I don't think. So um, it's just the top three that get Europe. Yeah, interesting stuff. And it was an end-to-end game. And it was nice to see Stefano Vecchia getting a goal. Uh, and by the way, the goal from home is is incredible. So if you mm. if you get a chance to see it, I'll definitely have a look for that. Eighteen year old Norwegian. I, I've actually mentioned him before on another on a different podcast. I was asked like players uh, who could go on to big things and sort of following Harland's footsteps. And 
um, players like that from Norway. And uh, Holm is certainly one that I've, I've heard a lot of big things about. Uh, 18 years old, 2003 born. Hell of a shot on him based on the goal he scored this uh, this past week. So good to see him getting some some more minutes. Um, let's move on to Mjöndalen because, I mean, that result is the big result of the week. I mean, in terms of scoreline, uh, what has gone on? What has gone I mean, Haugesson, we don't talk about much on this podcast, Steve. I always seem to look at them and they're about eighth place. They, they kind of, to me, feel like the the old Kalmar where, or a team like that where, you know, you always knew they were going to be maybe an Oribro type thing. They were always just going to be solidly, you know, un, un, uh, unspectacular. But what has gone on here? I mean, I think for the first time, um, there's some questions being asked about Vegard Hansen's position as Mjöndal and manager. He's been the manager there for 16 uh, years now uh, as head coach, which is a hell of a run, isn't it? But um, there's some, the media is starting to question him, you know, whether... You know, he's the man now. Um, a lot saying that, you know, it's been a great, great run, a great innings, but perhaps time to move on at the end of the season. And then some are saying, well, if he's going to leave at the end of the season, he might as well maybe bring someone in now to try and change things around. Um, the problem is they're just, they're effectively a semi-pro club. The resources are not that great at all. They're on a shoestring budget. You can't expect miracles when you're like that. You know, this is the top division in Norway. Um I, I, I mean, he, the thing is, he has so much credit in the bank after 16 years. I mean, have you ever seen the Bond film Goldfinger? Like, or the gold that's in like Fort Knox or there. That's how much credit he's got built up in the bank. He's been that much of a legend at the club. You just, you don't sack someone like this. He actually came out and did an interview after the game, after losing 7 0. He came out, faced the media, fair, fair play. You know, he said, it's not good enough, but we're going to keep fighting. And, and he's devoted to the project, he said. So, you know, the, the, the sports manager has said we're right behind Vega Hansen still. He deserves, you know, after the career he's had here, he deserves all our full respect. But they lost it 7-0. This is one of those. They weren't as bad as the scoreline suggested, actually. Holgerson just took a lot of the chances. Holgerson are a weird team. They can blow very hot and cold. Um, I mean, I must say, I'm starting to think, what could they do to change things? It's not as simple as change a manager. Um, but it does look like to me they've only won two games all year. They look like they're they're going to be one of the teams that go automatically relegated. Yeah, hat trick for Undor, <clears throat> and uh, looks like they looks like Mjolnir might well be seeing Undor themselves at the end of this season. So um, yeah, it's we've funnily enough we you know you've mentioned Velikari. We've also had Vigod Hansen on the podcast, haven't we? So you can dip into the archives uh, as well as Uncleberry Finn. You know, just looking at the the sort of stats for this game. I mean, it wasn't even that much of a. It wasn't like total domination, was it? I mean, they, no. they I mean, they had 23, 23 shots for um, for Haugesson, but Mjolnir had nine themselves and created eight chances. Um, you know, Mjolnir created nineteen chances according to these stats in front of me. But it just seemed like maybe everything everything went in for, uh, everything went in for 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 Haugesson. I mean, the, the xG was only one point nine three according to this. Um, Versus 0.78, but a seven-nil victory. Um, how would you summarize? I mean, there's seven points off getting out of jail, four points off kind of getting into the relegation playoffs. Me under at this point with eight games to go. Twenty, what was that? Uh, Twenty-four points available. How would you sort of summarize their time? Because obviously we haven't checked in with Vigard for a while, a few years. Might be time to get, might might have to get him on the show one last time before he maybe leaves. But um, I remember that interview really fondly. It was a very good interview. 
is it just a case of its club doesn't doesn't have the resources to really stay up? Is it, I mean, has it been poor recruitment? Maybe has it been bad decisions? Is it tactics? Well, like what what what's been the cause of this gradual slide? It's funny to you, right? You look at the stats of that game. Saying the Undalen had lost that match one nil or two nil, no one's talking about this game at all. I, mean, I watched a game in France at the weekend. Toulouse beat Auxerre six nil, and it's it's fine because Auxerre are going well in the league. They've got a manager, John McFarland, who's who's known for, for doing stuff. No one's really questioning. It's just a one bad day at the office. But because Miendal have had such a bad year, two wins, they're rock bottom. Suddenly, after, when you lose 7-0, it's like everyone's looking at you and thinking, you know, what's going on here? Something got to change. And the simple fact is they're just not good enough, Jonathan. They've not had injuries. They've not had suspensions. The squad's got quite a lot of depth to it. They just don't have enough quality. It's as simple as that. And and sometimes, you know, everyone's asking questions and, and we're looking for answers when a team's not not doing very well. It just sometimes is a case of they do not have good enough players compared to the rest of the league. And, you know, in previous the previous two campaigns, he probably got the absolute most out of that squad he could. And he did he had them sort of a couple of miracle survivals. This year, you know, perhaps he hasn't quite got as much out of it as he would want. And they haven't had the bit of luck on their side. Um, I sh- the mad thing is they're only four points off the playoff spot, so they could they could the miracle could still be on, but I, f- I just don't know where they're going to get the next three points from. They've got Tromso next, I mean, that's already a must win. Uh, I, I worry, I think they're going down, but I say the crazy thing is if other teams start to lose again, and just a couple of wins, you're back in the fight, aren't you? It's a funny game, football. The thing is, when you when you when the recruitment goes wrong like this, you, you know, you mentioned they maybe don't have the result, is it because they've made wrong choices? Or is it because they don't have the budget? Because you can, you know, Buddha Glimpse have shown you can do, you don't have, you don't need a huge budget to be successful in, I mean, and there's others around the world. So sometimes I think, is that, is that a fair excuse or has it been poor recruitment? Um, where do you, where do you stand on that? But when you're a club, but you're not fully professional, then you need, um, you're not going to be able to attract a certain caliber of players, are you? They have, I think, I mean, I'll give you an example, right? At the start of the season, they got a guy on loan from Viking, Sebastian Sebuel Olsen. He did so well there and they trained him up so well. That obviously, the coaching was good that Viking pulled him back after just five or six games. So, I think it's just a case of they can't... Yeah, I don't think they can attract a certain calibre of player. The resources are not are not there. And, um, you know, they, 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 they struggled to even come to an agreement with the captain, Christian Galseth, at the start of the season. You know, funds are obviously very limited. His hands are tied. I would like to see Hansen uh, be have a go at a club where you know the resources are more. I wonder what he could do. I, I rate him as a manager, actually. Um, but the club itself needs to somehow find a way to, if they ever really want to progress, they need to pump some more budget into the club because um, you know they're going to continue to be this yo-yo side else. You know, I'm sure if they went down, they could probably have a good chance of coming straight back within the next couple of years. The next time they do come back, maybe they need to think about. You know, if it, if it's if possible, then um, you know a bit more investment. Mion Dallin to the max there, so that's a very interesting discussion. Uh, Tromsø, Brand, and Starbuck have all been picking up points, so we'll kind of maybe uh, rush through them. But there's been some quite big news at Salzburg. Uh, I'd be interested to get your views mm. on this, Steve. Do you want to fill us in on what's going on there? They uh, they are currently 12th in the table. This weekend just gone. They've they've had a sort of a well, they've had that defeat, didn't they? Um, but there's been some big news. Yeah, Lars Bohinen will be leaving the club at the end of the season. Um, he came in and replaced Mikel Stara, who moved to IFK Gothenburg. Uh, 
after just, I think, three or four games this term. And uh, Heenan's come in and he's done okay. In fact, you could, some might say he's done a poor job at times. Uh, they're only four points clear of the playoff spot at the moment and five from automatic relegation. For me, this is a bit of a strange one to announce it now because um, they're in a position, obviously, there's still a lot going on. What are the players thinking? They, they're going to be a new manager next year. And this can create a strange dynamic sometimes, in my opinion. If they were already mid-table, say they were in Horgerson's position or Strom's Godset's position, and I would have no problems with this announcement. But they're not safe yet. And they've lost a lot of games. They've lost their last seven away games, Jonathan. And if they're, if the likes of Brand and Tromso and, and Starbeck keep picking up points here and there, they could get sucked into trouble if they're not careful. And Bahinan doesn't have a great track record in the Elite Seren, let's be honest. You know, I want to like Lars Bahinan as a manager, but he's, he doesn't have a great track record at this level. Um, he had one good year with Sanderfjord, even that tailed off. And I look, I mean, if they're going to replace it, I would, I would almost be tempted to say, right, we're going to cut out, we're going to get rid of you now and bring someone new in for the, for the rest of the season. They, they obviously have got confidence that he will keep them up and everything like that. And I know he keeps the system they want, but it's a bit of a strange one, if you ask me. Yeah. And uh, yeah. do you think they'll go down? Mm, you know what? I, I've got a I've got a gut feeling that one of Sanderfield or Sarpsborg will get sucked into trouble um, down there because I, the way Bran are playing at the minute, I think Bran will. They've got some tough fixtures, but I think they're gonna. I don't see Bran as automatic relegation. Um, Tromso, I've, I've seen enough from them as well, and I think they'll pick up points at home. Starbeck, I've, if I've gone to my head, I think Starbeck will be automatic relegation. But Eric Schoner has got them playing better football as well. It's not beyond reason they could get points. There's always someone that sort of gets sucked into trouble out of nowhere. I always remember back in the day in the Premier League, Wimbledon, they lose like the last eight games to go down. Things like that. If if Salzburg start to get, you know, on a downward spiral, and they're, they're not that many points clear, or well, Sanderfield are a bit further up, but um, I've got a good feeling they could get in trouble, Salzburg, are not careful. I don't think they will, but... Interesting. It's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous game to play, and I'm not sure I like this announcement, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, when you look at the table, they're, they're only... Uh three well four points above the drop zone Salzburg so when you know I remember when Ferguson was announced to be leaving and then he changed his mind in the end uh, many years ago now at Manchester United and that it did, did cause a dip in results didn't it I mean four points is not much to make up uh so you know might give a little bit of hope to the likes of Brand, Starbeck and maybe, maybe even Miranda who knows uh let's move on to two final bits of news um number one I mean I know you wanted to we can't really leave this episode without talking about Christensen who are third my boys but you did mention there's you know nil nils and strange lack of goals this round and, and, and then there was one other piece of news you wanted to t- pick up on well i don't know what it was a strange round i've never seen so many big chances miss jonathan this round in in norway it's like every single game I, I was betting on quite a lot of overs this round and um i was very frustrated that um just the basics of football finishing it seemed the goalkeepers had an amazing round as well Wherever you look, like some keepers had. I mean, there was one massive cock up uh, for Leonard Grill for Brand, but it, it seemed in general there was a lot of good saves going on, which is not that normal for for Elite Serie. But there was two nil nils. There's hardly been any nil nil since June, so for two to pop up in the same round is, is very strange. There was quite a few under two point five games as well, or under the goal line, and then you had the random seven nil with Augustson. It, it, 
I just I say there's a lot of big chances missed. I don't know whether it's was. I mean, can you explain that? Is it maybe two weeks off? The team's just. Is it getting a bit colder in Norway now? Maybe players are just not fancying it as much. It was a strange, strange round really. That um, there was. Uh, it wasn't that the matches were not. Well, the chances were there. It's just they weren't being taken. Yeah, from a betting point of view, I, I saw your Twitter account and you you were very frustrated at some of the these games. Christian Sund. I mean, you did call that game potentially. You know, I think you said that they were <clears throat> underpriced maybe in that match. Uh, they've managed to keep on to their top three spot, 39 points, uh, creditable draw. Uh, Lillestrom currently six, six in the table, so they're, they're doing okay. You, you 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 predicted they'd have a good season, and uh, at the moment, it looks like you're you bang on bang on to rights there. So good good shout on that one. Um, I think in the next couple of weeks, we we probably should look at the Norwegian uh, Elite Serien Fantasy League because that's something we haven't really touched on too much this season. I mean. Uh, I've got my captain Pellegrino at this moment in time, and uh, I think we do want to talk to you about that before we, before the season closes out for sure. And in, in the run, in the way to the, you know, before the run in kicks in, it'd be nice to sort of have a little final analysis of that. But there's one last piece of news, and that's about uh, a potential rule change in in later coming. Yeah, um, it looks like VAR will come into the Elite Serie in year 2023. There was a, a meeting. <laughs> there was a meeting. Um, recently and it's in the majority of the top clubs want uh, in favor of it um there was not much opposition for var in Norway. i think i mean referees have been for it i think it's just because football is going to become it's VAR is going to become so universal across the world if you don't have it you're going to be falling behind like the stone ages almost aren't you i mean var like it or not is here to stay and there's you know my opinion of it has has it certainly changed since it came in. I think things are a little bit better now with it, but it looks like in the year 2023. I don't know why next year it couldn't be implemented. Um, I guess these things take time to be voted in and things and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, obviously that would be big for the league. I mean, referee, you know, we're like everywhere. There's mistakes with with decisions and stuff. So I guess they just want to to bring it in and make it universal. In a word, in your opinion, uh, to cap off part one of this show. Will will VAR improve Elite Serien in your mind in terms of the quality of the product? If you know what I mean. No, I think it'll make it worse. No. No. No, I'm not looking forward to it coming in Norway. To be honest, I think I think certain leagues don't need it as much as others. This is an example of where they they don't need VAR to improve the product of the of the game, in my opinion. Yeah, there's a there's a debate in Sweden as well about it. So uh, yeah, good to get your thoughts there. Um, that wraps it up for part one. We'll be back in part two. We'll head over to Sweden. We've got a big game coming up as well on that side of the fence in, in, in Europe as well. And we'll recap what's going on in, in, in the league in general. So uh, tune in after this short break for part two. Welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. I'm Steve Wiss and I'm with Jonathan for Dugba. And now we're going to talk about the Swedish section, the Asvenskan specifically. And uh, before we go, how's the fantasy going for you in, in Asvenskan at the moment, Jonathan? I've, um, I've actually moved up to 57th, provisional 57th place. I had a guy from Hecken in my team, um, Pont- uh, Patrick Volomark, 17 points he got. I wish, he, I wish I'd put him as captain. But uh, a few decent point pickups, and uh, I'm moving upwards. 
Yes, very, very uh, loaded. I like your loaded question there. Very, very nice indeed. Uh, I think you know full well how I'm getting on. I'm, I'm behind you in the table. If that's what you wanted to hear, then there it is. Um, it's paining me a lot, but listen. In the word, in the famous words of Kevin Keegan, we're still fighting for this title, <laughs> and I will love it if we beat you, Steve. Love it. So um, let's see, let's see what happens. But um, yeah, I'm not. Not having the best of times, really. I've still got I've still got all my chips to play, so who knows? But um, my defense has been letting me down, and that probably leads us on to our, what we're going to talk about because I've got two Eurogarden defenders and one AIK defender, and uh, they did not do much for me at all this week. Yes, shout out to Philip Christiansen who continues to be top of our Nordic Football Podcast League, and Norwich with the Rat Pack in uh, second place, and Marcus Nielsen with FC Bonk. Um, in third spot, so uh, yeah, there's a few quite still quite a few more rounds to go in the Arsvenskan. And it, look, things have got I mean, we, we talked about an exciting title race in, in, in Norway, it's just got a bit batshit mental again, hasn't it? In, in Sweden, because there's a lot of teams in the top there have been dropping points. But is it fair to say there's a four way title battle now ongoing? Well, yeah, we we can certainly talk about the potential four-way title. It's get, it is heating up, like you said, Steve. It's coming, it's coming to squeak, squeaky bum time, uh, in the words of the great man, Sir Alex Ferguson. And uh, before you before you do go on, I just wanted to mention uh, in the Elitesarian fantasy because we haven't talked about that much. Uh, just give a shout out to Emil Magnus Jacobson if he's listening uh, of Uvaline United. They're top of the he's top of our Nordic football podcast, uh, Elitesarian League, and uh, FPL Heskibo is in second, but. Uh, Uvaline United have a hell of a lead, by the way. It's more than 50 points. Well, roughly 50, I think 49 points. So um, well done to uh, Emil Magnus though there. And uh, FPL Heskivo and FF Ramblings are trying to catch him up in second and third. But yeah, big week in the, uh, big week in Osvenska, actually, this Steve. Yeah. Um, what can I say? I mean, just, I, th- I guess we'll start with this as the title. Uh, this is the table as we, as we wrap up this, uh, this most recent round. Uh, we have had, 23 games played, so we're one ahead of you. We've got seven games to go. And it's currently Jurgarden, AIK, and Malmo are completely level on points, 44 points each. Uh, Malmo top with plus 23 goal difference. Jurgarden second plus 16. AIK third plus 13. And then just behind them, coming up from the bumpers behind them is uh, Elsport plus 13 goal difference, 42 points, two points behind them. So, you know, we, we talked about, I think, on the last show saying it was probably a three-horse race. Elsborg had a couple of, you know, ropey, uh, ropey results. Um, they lost three games in a row and, and it looked maybe, you know, they got absolutely destroyed by Mialbi. And you kind of thought, okay, it's title race over for them. But no, 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 they're back in it now. Two two wins um, in October now between the international break um, before and after. And a massive win, 3-0 away at, uh, at Eurogarden has taken them back into this race. And, and, and really, it's been a massive blow to Eurogarden as well, of course, because they were top, so... Um, probably start with Malmo. Uh, they had a comfortable kind of win against Ostersunds. Uh, comfortable in terms of the scoreline, three nil. Not necessarily comfortable in in the in the out in, in the game itself. You know they weren't they weren't incredible. Uh, started with a kind of a three five two formation. Uh, Soren Reeks was back after a month out. Um, they had to make a couple of changes as well. Armahozic w- w- was injured. Um, Eric Larson had to come in. But they were a little bit sluggish for the first for the first bit, you know, and and they they weren't great, but they did did eventually, you know, have too much for for Ossesunds, who who really 
you know, it's probably game over for them now, isn't it? You know, he talks about me on Allen. Um, it's looking like it's probably goodbye. Well, it nearly is goodbye, really, for for Osterson's rock bottom of the table. Um, and yeah, but Malmo, in terms of you know their title race, they they got a, a result that they needed. It was in the end fairly comfortable. Um, Erdil Rakip had a very good game, by the way, in that one. And then obviously the 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 next game in terms of the title race was, was the big derby, and uh, Hammerby uh, managed to win the Stockholm derby against AIK one nil. Um, it was an Akin Kumiyamu goal, and uh, it was another sort of typical Stockholm derby. You know, the, the, it was played under a plume of smoke for, for parts of it. There was some magnificent tifos as usual. Um, but I, I'm you know, quite, I'm a little bit surprised having be pulled this one out of the bag. I have to say, AOK have been in great form and, and uh, confidence looked to be with them. But yeah, this is a blow for them, of course. And at the moment, Steve, really, no one's just capitalising on this on this title race. I mean, who wants it is the question I'm asking myself. Hammerby have the second best home record in the league. Uh, eight wins, three draws, and just one defeat, which is to Ellsport. I remember the last season they had fans. They were very, very good at home as well. It's not an easy place to go, that is it. And uh, But AIK, they've got to think that it's a good chance. I mean, Jurgarten have lost their last two games now. Even Malmo lost at home to Mialbi not too long ago. And um, it's a question of who wants it. Ellsport, we thought they were gone. And now they're sneaking back in the race again. I looked at their fixtures and it doesn't look a bad set of fixtures. Titles are not won on paper, but uh, I'd rather be facing the likes of you know, Urubro and, and Degafor than, than I would, uh, you know, some of the top five or six. So, um, yeah, it, it, I can't believe it. It brings back memories. I mean, we've had some really close title showdowns, haven't we, since we started this podcast in, in Sweden. And it just sent, I just sense it's going to go that way again it feels like a sort of a last day showdown unless one team can pull away and um you know i'm not even going to bother asking you who, who you think is going to win it i seem to ask you this every week and you know it's just a question let's just enjoy the the title race as it is and and see and see how it goes really eh, Jonathan? well i mean if you like if you like tight title races then get yourself to sweden because it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be magnificent i think i mean it's going to be really um I don't see a clear. I mean, you asked me on the last podcast, and I said I said Malmo, and that was when they were third. And uh, I'm going to stick with it. I, I think they will eventually emerge. But the thing is, as you mentioned with Glimp, you know they've, they've still got Europe. So, you know, big games coming up now against Chelsea back to back, and and um, you know how's that going to affect their form? Yeah, you know they've got they've got. Um, I'm just going to read the fixtures. Obviously, next uh, they've got Varberg away, and then they've got uh, Aik at home. So you know that, that they've got to play. Yeah. That would I mean, end up being the biggest game of the season potentially, and then, you know, I know it's um, they don't have the hardest of runs to be honest on paper, Malmo. But one game that might be a bit of a potential banana skin is EFC away because they they have a big rivalry EFC Malmo. I know it's um, I know EFC have had their troubles, but you know that is a, that's one of those sort of classic games if you know what I mean. It's almost like Man United Liverpool in some ways, um, in terms of just like that giant club type rivalry if you know what i mean um they they, they still hate each other uh afk so that's maybe one banana skin they've got to play hacken they've got to go to kalmar who've been in great form but their running isn't too difficult if they can get past the aik so i still think malmo are favorites if, if you're asking me that yeah i sense that if it was a if they weren't in europe now and they could focus entirely on the league they would probably not saying run away with it they'd probably gain themselves enough of an advantage but yeah back to back against uh you know against chelsea you know, it's going to take it out of them, isn't it? I just think it is. Um, you know, it's difficult. They've already dropped some points on the back of European matches. You know, the Mialbi result. Um, but nothing's 
nothing certain here. If Elfsborg had beaten Ostersunds five games ago, as they should have done, they'd be top of the league right now. But it's that match that Jürgen and Elfsborg, I expected Jürgen to win it. That's the sort of match they usually win in the, in the last two or three years. To lose it 3-0 at home, I mean, that's just a strange one to me. Does that What does that tell you about Jürgen's mentality right now? Are they obviously... There's all this sort of mental baggage of them losing derby matches. It finally kind of caught up with them. I think the <clears throat> I think the short answer that Steve is I don't I, I don't I'm I'm just it's really difficult because they you know they could they could go very close and then you look a bit silly, but I'm just not quite sure that they're good enough to win the league. Uh, this 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 squad. I think I think losing Witchery has been has been a bit of a blow to the balance of their defence. You know, he was such a good player for them in both boxes, really. You know, he can get up up the, down the field. Um, you know, he was a fantasy legend, really, wasn't he? Anyone who had him in their fantasy mm. team, kind of, um, he, he was doing so well. And I always think the mark of a title-winning side, Steve, I, I don't think with seven games to go, you, you're losing 3-0 at home. No. You, know, you, in the, you know, if you think about title winners, just traditionally, they, they tend to build steam. And, and I just, I'm not convinced they're, they they got what it takes to win the league. I, I just think in certain games they're going to fall short. They are very good, you know. The the, the joint managers they have done very well. Don't get me wrong, but um, I, my the, my gut feeling just is they they're not going to quite maybe make it. Um, you got to say you got to give your hats off to El- Elsborg though. I mean, their their counter attacking game, by the way. You you could argue they're the best counter attacking team in 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 the way they the way they hit teams on the break. Um, you know, Rasmus Alm had a really, really good game. Two goals, both from sort of counter attacks. Uh, they, 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 they do look. I mean, whisper it, but they do look like potential outsiders. Mm. They do look like a dark horse. They've got a decent defense. You know, they're not bad defensively. Um, they like to counter. The, the game style is kind of quite, quite good. Their recruitment's been good over the last sort of, you know, maybe one to two seasons. Um, the two games that they lost back to back, sorry, the three games they lost in a row really just was a bit of a knock. Otherwise, they'd be top of the league, um, you know. And, and even if they just got one win in those games, they'd be well in it. And so I just, I just wondered, do they have the propensity to maybe then go on another bad run of sort of two or three defeats? I just, I just think when the pressure's on, can, will they be able to hold it off? But you, you've got to give you, you've got to take your hat off to Elsborough because you know they did so well last season. You know, I didn't think they would do much. They, they, they had a fantastic year, and. Um, to do it all over again now is, is is really impressive. You just look at their run in; they've got they've got to go to the North Shopping, they've got to go to Orebro as well. So even they've got a fairly easy run. The, the sort of biggest quote quote unquote game is uh, second last game of the season against AIK in November, end of November. So that could you know almost be a potential title decider at that point. So Elfsborg are definitely in this title race. I think you know they're not out of it, but it's just the question for me is do they have the consistency to carry on carry on this last seven game? Obviously, we talked about Malmo being in the Champions League. They've got this double header coming up against Chelsea now. So I think we should just maybe talk about it a little bit. I mean, in terms of, I mean, we talked about Budaglim Roma. I mean, Malmo and Chelsea have faced each other just a couple of years ago, of course, um, in Europe. So I guess there's not quite so much of a novel, novelty, novelty. But this is Champions League group stage now. You know, is, is they've, they've struggled. They've had a bad start in the group, but is the kind of there's still a kind of a carnival party atmosphere for Malmo in the Champions League. They're just simply they're in the competition. They have a chance to face a team like Chelsea in Europe. Yeah, I, th- I think there is a re- <clears throat> there's this kind of realization that 
you know, the, the first two games have not gone well for the moment, have they really? I mean, you, you need if you're gonna do anything in the Champions League, you need a you need a good start and they they've just not had a good start. It's, it's as simple as that. Uh so it's kind of got to a point now with, with two defeats, you know, in terms of the group stage, it's looking like see see what happens really. You know, they're gonna to go to Stanford Bridge this this week. Um <clears throat> I was there the last time they went to Stanford Bridge in the that was a, what three or four years ago. Now I remember we did a live periscope outside the stadium. Any any long time listeners who might remember that, uh, drop us a tweet at Nordic Footpod. We'll definitely give you a retweet because um, I'd love to know if anyone followed us around then. Um, he's a long term listener. But yeah, if you look at the group itself, you know, they're bottom of the table. Um, they've got zero points from two games. Juve are top, Chelsea are second. You can't see it. You can't see them not getting, they're not going to get anywhere near those two, really, realistically, are they? Um, especially with back to back against Chelsea, European champions. I think this is a sort of game where they're going to maybe approach it from a, a defensive point of view. I think they'll play a very low block and just try and maybe hit them on the break and see what can happen. It's probably a good thing for Malmo that Kolak was on the score sheet at the weekend. Christian scored a nice goal as well. Adi Nalic scored a decent goal. Um, but this is not Ostersons, is it? This is Chelsea. So it's a, it's a huge gap in in, uh, in quality. Um, I think it's for their fans to probably just, just get down and enjoy it. I, I wonder if Pontus Janssen will be there. Because he's um, <clears throat> the famous former Leeds man, and he, you know he's a big, big, big Malmo fan, isn't he? I'm sure he'll be in West London as he was last time. So um, I think it's for the Malmo fans to just enjoy that, enjoy that trip, and then maybe in the home, if they get, I don't think they'll get anything from this game, but maybe in the second game, you know, at home against Chelsea, maybe they can look to sort of spring a, an unlikely result and upset. But you know, even then, if they get a point, they'd probably be happy with that. But it's not going to get them through, is it? So. It's good, prize, there's good prize money at stake, though, isn't there? Yeah, there's prize money if they can get it, but I think, if I'm being totally honest, I think I think they're going to finish bottom of this group, and um, they're probably getting to the point now where it's try and enjoy enjoy it while while it lasts type thing. But um, y- y- football always surprises you, Steve. You just never know. Yeah, also about kind of regaining a bit of respectability, I think. And uh, I, mean, I talk about prize money; they've already kind of won the lottery, haven't they, by getting the what ten million is it to make the group stages? So it's not, you know, anything else is just a bonus, isn't it? But um, yeah, uh, in, in, you know, interesting couple of matches coming up for, for Mama there against Chelsea. Um, just there was a question actually that we got uh, asked by Bot on Twitter, Bottas um, at Bothak ASC. Um, who do you think are going to be the three key players going into the last rounds of the Arsvenskan? Maybe Johan Darlin, Adig Benro, or even Rasmus Elm? Um, interesting mix of players there. Um, what are your thoughts on that question? Well, it's a yeah, really good question, and it's it's quite hard to sort of just pick three players because you know ultimately teams teams win titles. I know it's a, a bit of a corny corny thing to say, but I don't think there's a sort of a, if I was being totally honest, I don't think there's like a clear best player in a league type thing where it's like if they're good that this team will win the league. If they're not, I don't think we're in we're in the days of kind of. Um, you know, if you look at the Malmo team, for example, the one at last season, I suppose if you looked at, you know, the setup of their team, they had one or two players where it was like if they don't perform, no one performs. I think they're a little bit more, um, a little bit more, a little bit more rounded. I wouldn't say completely, but you know, Keith Telling, for example, last season was so important to them, and and um, you know that that kind of thing. Kolak, if he's on it, he can definitely fire them to the title. But you know, um, they've 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 still, they've still got other options if he's not on it, to be honest. And so um. You're asking me to pick pick three. I mean, Adi Benro is mentioned there. I mean, he's he's had an incredible season, by the way. 
Uh, just got to give him a shout out because he's, he's done so well. But but North shopping, I mean, absolutely battered this uh, this evening against um, against Hacken five nil. You know, I turned it off at nil nil and came back and it, it was five nil. So I couldn't couldn't believe it. Um, he's 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 had an incredible season. It's it's re- I find it really hard to to name key key players to be honest, uh, Steve. I, I, I'm almost struggling to answer the question. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's very difficult to uh, put you on the spot there. And you mentioned that that result. There, there were some strange results this round. I'm just going to go through them, actually. Yogurt and three, Elsport. Sorry, Yogurt and nil, Elsport three. Hecken five, Norshipen nil. Hammerby one, AIK nil. IFK, Yotterburg two, Otterbro nil. Mialby four, Kalmar nil. Degger four, uh, two, Halmstad one. Ostersund, uh nil, Malmo three, and Sirius two, Varberg one. I mean, Hecken five nil against Norshipping, that's a crazy... If Norshipping had won that, they'd be in the title race. Uh, they would only be two points behind uh, the the top three. You know, imagine Norling coming to steal the title. That would have been crazy. But uh, Mialby four, Kalmar nil. Now, Kalmar have been... We've been raving about them all year on this pod, haven't we? They've been this brilliant possession team, everything like that. Um, they're up there in seventh place on 37 points. They've, they've had a fantastic year. They go and lose 4 0 to Mialby. Mialby beat Elsbrook 4 0 as well. They haven't conceded a goal in God knows how long. Um, what is going on down there at Mialby? Because this, uh, that, I thought Kalmar would go there and probably maybe win the game 1 0 or it'd be a 0 0. But 4 0. It's, it's an unbelievable story, really. Um, it's something we talked about a little bit about when they, you know, uh, on the last show, where, when they beat Malmo away, obviously. They've not conceded a goal, Steve, since the 23rd of August. Now, for a team like, for a small team like Miami, that is, that is unbelievable. Uh, and it's not even like they've had a decent run where you could say, well, they've had easy games. I mean, I'm just going to read you the, I'm just going to read you the run of games where, where they have not conceded. Eurogarden away, nil nil. Degafors away, where they won two nil. Aik at home, nil nil. Hacken away, nil nil. I mean, they've just battered Norshim five nil. So, I mean, that that's an achievement in itself. Halmstad nil nil. I mean that was the you know Halmstad. Everyone probably you know that that's fair enough. Elfborg they beat four nil. I mean I don't know how they've done that. Then they've gone to Mama won one nil, and now they've batted Kalmar four nil. I mean it's an incredible story, especially when you consider Steve that before that they they'd lost five in a row not not long before that. I mean the run leading up to the beginning of August they lost five five straight. Uh, they've they've changed the manager, they've changed the style a bit, but this is a real unbelievable story to be honest um it's one that we you know we have talked about this we, we've been talking behind the scenes about potential team analysis that we're, we're plotting aren't we steve so i don't want to go too much into it spoil it for people but we are we are bubbling something maybe behind the scenes for a, for a future episode um but yeah of course you, you you have to mention it because battering kalmar like that is really surprising you know kalmar have had such a great season they're now down to seventh after that defeat um you know before that they were they were kind of like looking at top five potentially you know, Mialbi, this run of form now has taken them, really got them out of relegation problems, really. I mean, they, they looked like they were, at one point, they looked like they were toast. It looked like they were definitely going to be one of the bottom three. They're now four points clear of the relegation zone. Uh, they're above EF core in the league. You know, with seven games to go, things can turn. I mean, wh- when are they going to concede next? You know, at this point, you're scratching your head. Um, but the next game, they've got EF core, which is a massive game, because I think if they win that, they could almost, you could almost say they're safe. 
Then they got no shopping away, Hammerby at home, Sirius, Ostersons, Odebro, Varberg. So Mialbe looking like the, the, the change in manager has probably saved their season. Yeah, they finished strong last season as well, if I remember correctly. And uh, I, I saw the goals for this game. And it just Kalmar just looked like they were sleepwalking for the first 15 minutes. They just, the goals, they were very bad goals, you can see. Um, maybe they just weren't at it. But um, a hell of a performance from Miyabi. You're right. You know, we are looking at doing uh, some teams in focus with tactical analysis. And I, they would, would definitely be a contender for your team. Um, if anyone, anyone wants me to do a particular analysis on a team in Norway, do let me know and I will consider them. So, um, but yeah, I mean, looking at some of the results. Now we're going to move to the relegation battle now. And um, there was one match that did catch my eye, and that was the uh, IFK Gothenburg game against Orobro. 2 0 win for IFK. And the XG for Orobro in this game was horrific. It was 0.1 XG for Orobro. You know, this is a match that they, it's almost last chance saloon. You know, they were, um, they were six points behind IFK going into this game. They won it, they're back in the race for the playoff spot. And they've turned up and they've played terrible by the looks of it. And IFK have deserved to win. I actually, what? Look at the fans were going crazy in this game. Um, and I suddenly realised there's no way a club as big as IFK could ever really get relegated. To be honest with you, the the, fact, the support they've got is mental. They've got this goal song afterwards, which is a weird old folk dance thing. And uh, it, the place was buzzing. But um, for Urubro, very disappointing. And um, I believe there's a change of manager there now. Yeah, Orobro of, of um, it was a huge game, and and you, I know you asked me in the last show about EFCO, and you said, "Do I think they'll go down?" And I, and I basically said, it, I, "You know, I, I always just think that there's always going to be three worst teams." That I said it last show. I think there'll always be three. There'll always be three worst teams in the EFCO Yotaborg in this league, just based on history, based on um, playing squads, based on you know fans. This is a massive team we're talking about here. And whenever they've got real, real problems, they, they just about can get away with it. They are they are dysfunctional. I mean, it's been addressed in the media this week. There's been uh, question marks, uh, rumours of dressing room splits, rumours that certain players don't get on with each other behind the scenes. Um, so, you know, there's still turmoil there. They're, they're definitely not out of it. But I think what we saw this past weekend is that Orobro are, are in serious trouble. Um, we, we talked about that. You know, they, they, they rolled the dice already with, with one manager. Um, and, and changed, you know, halfway through the season. They've now had to roll the dice again with a new manager. So, you know, it's kind of looking like they are, you know, they're running out of ideas really, isn't it? It's like you've got three bullets in the chamber and, and they're down to the last bullet. They've put they've pulled the trigger. Um, Victor Gesimba was, was sacked during the uh, international break and Marcus Lance has come in. Marcus Lance, of course, was uh, formerly at, um, he was at Mialbi and he did a really good job, actually, I thought. Uh, I thought he was a decent manager there. So um, it's not nothing's paid off now. You know, the, the idea was that he come and have an immediate impact because they're running out of games, but uh, it didn't didn't quite happen for the Mia. Of course, did enough to get results. And let's let's face it, Steve Orlebro are running out of time. They, they've been in this league for for many a year since we've been doing this podcast. They've never they haven't been down since we've done this, but they are starting to run out of time. And just in terms of Lance, he, he will have a chance because he, he his points per game was, was decent um, when he was at, at Mialbi in that season. I was really surprised that he didn't he didn't get another job. He, he got 1.69 points per match uh, as Mialbi manager in that 2020 season. And uh, he kind of decided, he just, I think he had a f- mutual decision with the club when he left Mialbi, just saying, that, listen, it's not working out for me. Uh, I'm out of here. 
And I thought he was going to go on to bigger things because they, they finished they finished fifth in the league, don't forget, last season. So I was convinced that he was going to find a, a bigger job, really. So I'm a little bit surprised that he's... Uh, I'm a little bit surprised he didn't get a job sooner than this, you know, with other sackings that have happened. And I'm a little bit surprised to see him at... at uh, Oliver, I have to say, I think he could have maybe got a bigger job. But he, he's going to have a real test of his managerial skills here because if he can pull this one out, you know, just looking at the table, Orobro, uh now seven points behind the relegation playoff, let alone getting out of trouble. They're, they're now nine points away from safety. So with with seven games to go, 21 points available, it's looking like the two O's. Are, it's, looking like, it's looking like cheerios. You know, <laughs> it's looking like cheerio to the both of them. So um, Orobro and Ossesons looks like they're both um, out of here. Gone. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I think I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for that first game because that's a tough place. When that crowd gets behind IFK, that's a tough place to go. You mentioned Malmo got to go there, I think, in a few rounds' time. That's that is that's a real banana skin, isn't it? If that crowd bathe for blood and stuff. And, um, you know, that was never going to be an easy game for Furubro. But one thing I will say, if Halmstad is really struggling to win games at the minute, that playoff spot, more often than not, the Alsvenskan side wins the playoff, doesn't it? Not many times do we see the, the, the relegation from that spot. So if you can get into 14th, I'm not saying you're guaranteed survival, but you've got a bloody good chance of it, in my opinion. So yeah, it's, good going, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all about trying to get that playoff spot, I think. And the seven off it, that's you've got to get a couple of wins soon, but you know, it's not completely dead in the water because Hamster are, are looking like they're not getting a win from anywhere at the minute. Yeah, I mean it's it's doable, but they you know they've got the the next two games are absolute must wins, in my opinion. They've got Degafors at home, mm. and then the midweek round, uh, next week, next midweek, they've got Hampstead away. Oh, that's massive. For me, that's they need four points minimum, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, they cannot lose to those, they cannot lose to Hampstead, in my opinion, as well. Because uh, after that, they've got Yurgarden at home, Hammerby away, Kalmar at home, Mialby away, Elsborg at home. Now, by, by December 4th, last game of the season, Elsborg could be going for the title. So, you know they've got a huge, a huge last five games in terms of difficulty. So the next, to, for me, the next two games will decide their, their their fate. Sometimes you do get you do get those fairy tale stories, don't you? See, with a, a a team low down the table who who um pulls off a fairy tale, starts beating teams left, right, and centre. I mean, just looking at it from an English point of view, I remember one year Sunderland escaped. I think I remember them sort of going, to, going to Chelsea and winning and things like that. You, you just suddenly get these crazy results, but. You know, they're gonna Marcus Lenz is gonna have to work some serious magic for that to happen. So, um, I really think this next 10 days is gonna decide his uh, I think it's gonna decide Ouroboros season. And just on uh, you know, you mentioned EF Core there and the, the crowd. I've been to an EF Core Malmo game by the way, and it was an incredible atmosphere. It was one of the best experiences I think I've probably ever ever had in, in watching, watching football. Um, it was, I remember it was first day of the season. And uh, I can tell you the fans will bring a serious atmosphere to that game. They do not like each other. And sort of putting one on Malmo to stop them winning the title would almost would almost make up for this terrible season that they've had. So um, I'm not saying they're going to do it on the pitch, but I, I, you know Malmo will have a game there, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, if that was the atmosphere for Ourobro at home, I can imagine what it's like for... I kind of forgot, in a way, how big IFK are, you know, with all the COVID and no fans and stuff. And, you know, that is a club that... Um, you know, I could I could like that sort of atmosphere and, and passion. <laughs> I, I could, I definitely could. Well, I've told you so many times about Gothenburg, how great it was, and why, why you always ask me why I enjoyed it. I mean, when you got that on your doorstep, you know, uh, it's, it is an appealing 
it's very appealing. I mean, they they are a massive club. I'm, I'm quite fond of I'm quite fond of their atmosphere. And when, like you said, when they create an atmosphere, you know, they create an atmosphere, and so so do away fans as well when they go there because it's because they're such a big team. Mm. Definitely, they, they, they won't go down because even if they even if they got into the playoff, you ain't beating that in the playoff. Sorry, it's not going to happen. So um, yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this episode, eh, Jonathan? Yeah, you know what I wanted to do? I just wanted to come back to. Um, your man's question there was at both us. Yes. I'm going to just, I'm going to base my answer on the, uh, on our friends at Wisecout. So, um, I just wanted to read, cause yeah, I mean, the reason it's tough to answer because keep three key players in the title race. Well, who's going to be in the title race? There's, there's four teams in it. So, you know, you've got to leave one of them out basically if one of the three, <laughs> you've got to leave one of the teams out of, let alone answer it. But, I thought that an interesting way to maybe summarise it, I'm just going to read you a couple of names that might might be of interest in terms of... Uh, just read the XG, expected goals and assists from this season. Um, we've got Kolak, top of expected goals and assists combined. He's 14.94. Uh, he's got 14 goals and assists combined, according to Wascout. Um, I mean, I'm not going to include Jeremy F. He's, he's up there. Um, but if you look down, Christensen, he'll be a key man. So I think I think you could certainly say Christensen will be key. For me, he's the most important Malmo player, probably, uh, in terms of just like if he was to miss some games, that, that weakens the team a lot. Um, if you looked at Eurogarden, I would definitely say Magnus Eriksson. You know, he's had a fantastic season, 15 goals and assists combined. Um, and he, he's got so many assists this season. He's, he's top, top assist provider in the league with 11 assists. So I don't think you can ignore him. So I'd probably name him if I was naming a Eurogarden player. And then you sort of got to flip a coin between AIK and, and Nelsborg in that case, if we're looking at the running. For me, I would I would say probably give a shout out to Seb Larson. I think he's had a big impact again, as usual, the 36-year-old, just because he, he has that captain influence. And then if you were sort of, um, you know, if you're just looking on pure stats alone, trying to find an Elfsborg player, well, I'm going down I'm going down the list here, XG, and it's just that they're more of a combined unit, really. They don't have... You know, you've got Kuwaku who's up there, top four, by the way. At Sirius, had a fantastic season. He has uh, 12.34 XG assists combined. Um, you've got the likes of Salmani as well, who's up there for Hammerby. But there's not really an elsewhere player in this in this top 20, um, according to Wisecout. So they're more of a unit. So so I guess if I was summarising it, I would say Christensen uh, at Malmo. I would say Magnus Eriksson at Jurgarden. And then I would say Seb Larson. I think those three players will be very influential on their three respective teams and how they do. Brilliant. What a great way to round off the episode, Jonathan. So, um, yeah, that is it for this particular edition. Don't forget, follow us on Twitter if you're not already, at Nordic Footpod. And while you're at it, you can follow me, at Meatman Soccer, and Jonathan, if you fancy it as well, at JF Football. Um, But, yes, um, thank you very much for listening. Appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed the show. And we'll be back again very soon. Thank you very much. It was yeah, good, good listening, uh, good joining you again, Steve. Uh, see you soon, and uh, you know we'll be back for more, more Nordic coverage uh, as and when. So yeah, thanks a lot for listening. You can follow me at JFFutbol, F-U-T-B-O-L. and uh, that's it from me. Peace out. Take care, everyone. Stay safe. Goodbye.